There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. Go to the book of John, John chapter number 14 and 15. Thank you, Terry, for that song. I want you to do something for me. Everybody look. Look to your left. Whatever's your left, look to your right, look down the aisle. See all these empty spots? Those folks that would be there are going to miss it today. I'm telling you, I'm going to give you a piece of truth from God's Word that is going to be a help and a blessing to you in your Christian life. John chapter number 14. Take your Bible, turn to the book of John, the last of the Gospels. John chapter number 14. When we find ourselves in that scene in those chapters, you know as well as I do that the Lord Jesus is kind of giving some closing words to His disciples. And I want to read to you two passages of Scripture and basically hit on the topic of something as we preach from the the Word today. John chapter number 14, and look at verse 26. Now remember, we've been doing the But God series And it's a slight variation on that today, but we still have that conjunction in there. Verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now take your Bible, turn over one chapter to chapter 15 and look at verse 26. 14.26 and 15.26. Look at what it said there in verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you, whom the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, He shall testify of me. If we're going to have to choose a title, I think I'll choose the first part of verse 26. But when the Spirit, or when the Comforter is come, That's what we're going to talk about today. How that God interrupts His absence. Usually on these topics that we've been talking about where God interrupts, it's usually something that God interrupts about us. How God interrupts our difficulty and our loneliness and our this or that. This one is how God interrupts His absence. And I'll explain more as we go. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to You in the name of Jesus. God, we come to You by means of the blessed Spirit of God. God, we thank You for this Comforter that You've promised us, that You've given to those that believe upon Your name. God, I pray that You'd take the truth from Your closing words to Your disciples and ring them clear in our ears today, Father. God, I pray that we would be introduced to to this One that lives inside of us, that is there to comfort and to enable and to direct us in this life, the sweet Spirit of God. 
God, we just pray for those that may be here lost today. Oh, we pray for the activity of the Holy Spirit on their part. Not indwelling them, but compelling them. And drawing them to Jesus, Father. We pray that they would come and receive the forgiveness that is in Christ Jesus. And that same Holy Spirit that discomforted them to bring them to the cross would go with them, comforting them day in and day out in their life. God, we pray for your saints here today. The need to be, need to have a more deeper relationship, a more familiar relationship with this guest that lives within them. God, just move and work in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. I recently read an account about the great Norwegian explorer, Roland Amundin. Uh, uh, he was the first to discover the South Pole. And on one of his trips, Amundin took a, 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 a homing pigeon with him. As he was going to the South Pole, he took this homing pigeon with him. And when he finally reached the treacherous point at which you would find the South Pole, the very top of the earth, this man, this Amundin, I have a hard time with that name, Amundin, he released the homing pigeon. And sure enough, when he released that, that that homing pigeon made its way back to his home. You know how that's just mysterious, how those things can do that. Well, it wasn't long, uh, maybe a, a few weeks later, that you can imagine the, the delight of this man's wife when she stepped out of the doorstep and she saw the homing pigeon encircling the house. I, I'm, a, I'm sure that she broke into maybe shout saying, He's alive! He's alive! My husband is alive! Well, in similar fashion, the Lord Jesus' bodily presence some 2,000 years ago ascended from this earth to the heights of heaven. And although He is absent physically in this world today, He sent the Holy Dove, the Spirit of God, to come reside with His people, signifying that He's alive. He's alive. You see, the, it was for a fulfillment of the promise of a living Savior. And with that we find in our text, the Comforter came. And this same divine emissary, emissary is still active and present in our world today. Although we have not a living body of our Savior with us here today, we don't have the physical presence of Jesus. God interrupts this absence and sends us His Holy Spirit. Co-equal, co-powerful presence of His Holy Spirit. If you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if there's ever been a time when you repented of your sin and put your trust in Jesus, then this same Spirit which indwelt the apostles, which Jesus personally promised to them, that same Spirit dwells within you. If you know Jesus as your Savior, I believe it was First John that said, if you have not the Spirit of God, you're none of His. If you don't have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, then you're not a child of God. 
But I believe these final words of Jesus here in the Gospel of John, we can find the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit revealed to us in this day. You see, it is essential that every child of God understand this presence and understand this activity of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And I believe that if we look at some selected texts here from the closing statements of Jesus upon this earth, I believe that we can draw out some activity Activities that we can do so that we may have a more understanding of this divine comforter in our lives. I want to show you some things. The first thing I want you to do is realize the attendance of the comforter. The attendance of the comforter. If you're in John chapter 15 and you're at verse 25, which we just closed our reading at, go back a few verses to verse 23. Look at what Jesus said to this handful of disciples. He that hateth me, hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not, uh, they had not had sin. But now ha have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in the law. They hated me without a cause. Do you find a theme in those verses? Jesus is revealing this antagonism, this hatred that the world has for Christ Himself. You see, uh, this, uh, uh, this, uh, uh, Jesus is talking about his departure, his, his crucifixion, the trouble that's being, that's going to be encountered. I mean, you're looking at 12 men here that are probably getting pretty frightened, don't you think? They're probably getting pretty fearful at about this point. But then Jesus reminds them that they will not be left alone. No matter what the world throws at them, no matter how the onslaughts of the devil and of Satan himself try to test and try to break those apostles, Jesus said, but when the Comforter is come, when the Comforter is come, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 said that they would be endued with power from on high by the Spirit of God. You see, we need to first realize the attendance of the comforter. Notice about this attendance. It's a, it's a steady attendance. Turn back to John 14 and look at verse 16. Just a page back, John 14. Look at verse 16. Look at what Jesus said to his disciples there. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. That he may abide with you forever. You see, this attendance by the Holy Spirit is a steady attendance. If you'll read the Old Testament and trace the workings of the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, that the Spirit of God, it would be said, would come on a man for an activity and then leave that man. You think about Samson and all the workings of Samson. His... Uh, his activities are all prefaced by and the Spirit of God came upon Samson and he did a certain work. Well, that's not no longer, that is no longer the function of the Spirit of God in these days. No, we have the steady attendance of the Spirit of God. I remember when I was in college, 
And it'd be late at night and I'd be burning that midnight oil because I worked my best at the last minute. Amen. That's when I do my best is at the last minute. And I remember many a time looking over a syllabus, preparing for a final examination and thinking to myself, I wish my professor was right here because I got a question. I don't, I've got a paper. I've got a problem. And if I had him here, well, then I could ask him and he can answer my question. I've even gone out late in the night when I lived on campus and looked in their window in their office just to make sure they wasn't there. I mean, if there, if there was by any chance they was working late and I could get an answer of when I needed one, oh, I would have loved for them to have been there. I'd love to have had that teacher with me. Likewise, I've had questions. Likewise, I've had problems, dilemmas. Oh, when I wished, oh, if Jesus would just come and knock on my door, if Jesus would just walk into my office, if Jesus would just sit on the couch with me and I could have a heart-to-heart with Him, I'd be a lot better off. He could answer my questions. Well, guess what? He is here. His attendance is permanent by means of the Spirit of God. You see, this promise of the Holy Spirit brings Jesus into my everyday life. One author wrote, the Holy Spirit is our private lecturer. He's our heavenly tutor. He's our one-on-one instructor giving us in-house training. You want to talk about homeschooling? Well, that's what it is in the Christian life. The teacher's always there. If you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you have an in-house teacher. You have an in-house comforter. One that'll help you in times of need. The steady attendance of the comforter. But not only that, the selective attendance of the comforter. Look at chapter 14, verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall, dwelleth with you and shall be in you. See, it's not everybody in the world that has this Holy Spirit living inside of them. Uh, the, the truth that no one, truth, no one is saved outside of the working of the Spirit of God. You'll not find a saved person on this planet where the Holy Spirit did not move and work in their life and draw them to Jesus. You'll not find one. But there's not a person in this world that has not received Christ in which you will find the Holy Spirit. You see, no, He is the world's discomforter. You see, to us, He's a comforter. He comes and enables. He comes and empowers. He comes and comforts and consoles me. But to a lost and dying world, He's the discomforter. Brother Ken, my old pastor used to preach a message about the comforter that made me uncomfortable. (laughs) And that's the truth. The Holy Spirit's job, and we'll see a little bit more of this later, is that He come and discomfort those. He's not in the world. But once we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we like Moses in Hebrews chapter number 11, we like Moses can say, we see Him. This verse said the world doesn't see Him. Moses saw Him that is invisible. You see, by the eye of faith, the indwelling Holy Spirit of God allows us to see Him, to know Him, to perceive Him, to understand Him in our lives. You see, it's a selective attendance. He ain't in everybody. And there's a lot of folks with a counterfeit spirit that try to duplicate a certain aspects of the Holy Spirit. 
But only the believer carries this attendance with them all the time. You see a selective attendance, a steady attendance, and then finally a similar attendance. Look at verse 18. Look at what Jesus said here. Now notice he's been just been saying, he said, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send a comforter to you. I'm going to leave. I'm not going to be here, but I'll send a comforter to you. Now look at what he said in 18. I will not leave you comfortless, and I'll come to you. Now wait a minute, that don't make no sense. Jesus, you just said you was going away. <laughs> Jesus, you just said that you're going to send a comforter. Somebody replace you. Why in the world are you saying I won't leave you comfortless? I'll come to you. Well, it's because that same Holy Spirit is similar. It's likeness into that of the Lord Jesus. These disciples that Jesus was speaking to had spent every moment with Jesus for the past three and a half years. They saw compassionate healings and miracles at His hands. They heard the authoritative and insightful teachings of God Himself. They were led by Him, strengthened by Him, empowered by Him, calmed by Him, comforted by Him. And now He's leaving and sending another comforter. If you'll realize in verse 16, that word another there. It's a very interesting word that means one of like kind. One that is one and the same. You see, all that Jesus was to the disciples, so uh, all that Jesus was to these disciples, so would the coming Comforter be for them. All that Jesus had shown them, all that Jesus had been to them. You think about John and John leaning his head on Jesus' bosom. You think about Peter sinking in the storm waters on the Sea of Galilee. All that Jesus was to these disciples, the Holy Spirit would be the same to them. And I want to let you know, boy, it's true. God, I hold me in my office. The same Spirit, of, the same Jesus uh, that walked with these disciples is the same Jesus that walks with me by His Spirit today. As much as His apostles depended on Him and looked to Him and leaned on Him, the same is the Spirit of God in our lives. It's a similar presence. And as for you and I, that same Spirit of Christ no less leads, no less guides, no less protects, instructs, empowers, and enables us today. This is the attendance of the Holy Spirit. He, if you know Jesus, if you've been born again, if you've been made a new creature, this is who is in you. Remember an old Jack Kyle's message he talked about he was mad at the person that led him to the Lord because they didn't introduce him to the Holy Spirit. He said, yeah, all them years I had somebody living inside of me I didn't know was there. And he went through in that message and introduced, introduced somebody to the Holy Spirit. Hey, here's your introduction day. I don't know if you didn't know it or not, but there's the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ Himself, living inside of you, abiding, taking up residence. Won't you shake, take your hand out and shake hands with the Holy Spirit? He's with you today. Just as much as Jesus walked side by side with His disciples, so is the sweet presence of the Spirit of God in our life. The attendance of the Comforter. I want you to realize that attendance, but not only that, I want you to respond to the activity of the Comforter. Needless to say, this divine partner and leader is not just a moocher. He's not just a loafer. How many of you have known a loafer? A moocher. Had plenty of them in my dorm room. And you come back from mom and dad's loaded down with 
Cheetos and Cokes in college, all of a sudden you have strange visitors coming to see you in your room, pulling up a chair, wanting to spend some quality time. Moochers. You see, that's not like the Spirit of God. He's not just hanging around dormant and inactive, but He's doing something. He's moving. He's working. He's accomplishing a task. He's active in our lives. Notice in this activity, it's a clarifying activity. Look at chapter 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and shall bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The activity of this heavenly instructor is to teach the book that He wrote. That's what He does in my life. That's one of His main activities is to teach me the book He wrote. I heard a story about an author wrote a wrote a book and he was getting on an airplane and he went to sit in his aisle seat and he noticed that the lady across from him was reading his book. The book he had written and published, the lady across the aisle was reading. And so immediately he didn't let her know that he was the author. But he said, lady, what do you think about that book? What book are you reading there? What are you thinking about it? And she said, oh, it's a great book. It's just this one particular one particular section that I don't understand. And then he finally revealed to her, he said, well, I'm the one that wrote it. Let me see if I can explain it to you. And there, there, he took that book and went to that passage and began to take what he had written and begin to explain it to this lady across the sea. And after the conversation over, this lady had new insight into the book she was reading. Why? Because she was talking to the author. You see, uh, uh, the, the you see, the Lord Jesus, through the Spirit of God, takes this book of God. He wrote it. The Holy Spirit's the one that wrote this book. Uh, what does it say in Second uh, Peter one twenty one? Holy men of God spake as were moved by the Holy Ghost. Second Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness. That word inspiration of God means the breath of God. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He's the very breath of God. The pneumas, the breath of God. He's the one that comes and instructs us. So you have an in-house teacher. Right, listen, I, I got all the Bible helps in the world. Uh, amen. Uh, Hannah come in my come in my office the other day and was looking for a book. She had some time off to read some stuff and she picked out. And I got all these books in there. And uh and and she said, Boy, that's a that's a lot of books. And I said, Well, I ain't read none of them. <laughs> You'd be hard pressed to ever find get, find me getting through a book. I'm not much of a reader. But when you're a preacher, that's what people get you. Is <laughs> <It's> books. <laughs> they, that's what they do. They buy you books. And so I got a whole lot of books. I look like a smart man. But I'm not. But uh, listen, I'm all for any kind of helps you can get. I got a lot of them. The truth be known. Sitting down with the author. And asking the author to explain something to you. To enlighten you. I had a young preacher. I heard a story recently. A young preacher was sitting at a table with Dr. John Phillips. I mean, you know John Phillips. Oh, man. What a preacher. What a Bible author. I mean, he's amazing. Dr. John Phillips. And the young preacher said, here's my chance to try to get some insight from this great preacher. And so he asked John Phillips, he said, John Phillips, he said, you know, when you're studying for a message and you come across a hard text that you can't really figure out, 
He said, who do you look to first? I mean, what, what author do you read first? What commentary do you pull for? And John Arthur, who's a pretty, much, he's pretty cynical, pretty smart in what he says, he just turned to him and says, I asked the Lord. <laughs> you can't beat that. Hey, you can't beat going to the author and calling out Him to explain what God's Word means. Now this teacher knows that we're all in different progressions in our spiritual life. And I'll be honest with you, there's places in this Bible I don't understand. And I'm the preacher. I'm supposed to know everything according to everybody else. I'm supposed to know it all when it comes to the things of God. But there's many a passage I don't understand. I, don't, I believe it's because I'm not ready yet. I believe it's because the Spirit of God knows in my, in my level of progression that this is not the right time. There have been many a time in my life where I've read something in the past that in the future God brought real to my life. God brought and taught me what it, what it meant, what it was about. But not now. You see, He is a clarifying activity. He takes the Word of God and clarifies it to us. Not only a clarifying activity, but a corresponding activity. Turn to chapter 16. Look at verse 13 and 14. Notice this, what it says in 16, 13, and 14. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. Listen to this. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. And He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and, and shall show it unto you. You see, there's a corresponding uh, activity going on here. A correspondence between the two. When I was in seminary, I was taking some kind of counseling class. And I never went back to get a doctorate or degree because I can't stay in school. I'm done with it. I got my bachelor's in theology. That's enough for me for time being. I got time for nothing else. But I had to go. They told me to go. When I first called to preach, go to school. Everybody got to go to school. And so I went to school. And uh, I was sitting in that class and the, our professor in some kind of counseling class, he come up to where he had to leave for like several weeks. He was gone and go out of the country or something. So we had a substitute come in, a different professor. Now this guy, uh, the one professor we had was monotone and taught with no enthusiasm and taught, you know, and page two and turn. It was just boring as all get out. I mean, it really was. But then the next teacher that come in was completely opposite. I mean, he was bouncing off the walls. We had a blast. But he took one look at the curriculum that we were doing, and he said, man, this is boring. This is not what you need. Here, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to show you what you need. And we went for three weeks completely opposite of what we were doing before the other professor come in. And, and when the other professor come back, we had to backtrack and fix all kinds of stuff. He messed up. Well, listen, when it comes to the Spirit of God, when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry about that. Because they're always on the same page. They're always together. Uh, they don't go in different directions. We do not have to worry about this substitute, this Spirit of God with us. Jesus said that the Spirit will lead you exactly where I would lead you. There is a correspondence between the two. Oh, how often? How often we run into error when we attribute to the Spirit of God that which is contrary to the Word of God. A lot of problems in our churches today are from that fact. They attribute to the Spirit of God what is contradictory to the Word of God and to Jesus Christ. They don't go in two directions. They never have. They never will. Jesus said, well, I tell the Spirit, the Spirit will tell you. What you tell the Spirit, the Spirit will tell me. He's the intercessor. I go between, between us and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He is the very presence of Jesus, a corresponding activity, and then also a convincing activity. Now, I do believe that that uh, as we read the Word of God, as we grow as a believer, this divine teacher, this divine comforter, He'll strengthen our faith and further convince us of the truths of God's Word. I believe that. God's done it in my own life. Listen, when it marks the 20th, 1994, as a 21-year-old man, when I put my trust in Jesus Christ for the first time, although I've been raised in church all my life, there's a lot of things I had questions about in the Bible, about the Bible. There's a lot of things I didn't understand. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things I couldn't swallow that about the Bible. And, uh, and to be honest with you, there was, I, I believed in, I trusted Jesus. There was a lot of that Bible that was kind of conspicuous, kind of mysterious, and I wasn't sure about it all. But through the years, as I have studied and read God's Word, as I have yielded myself more and put not me in charge, but the Word in charge, He has strengthened me and convinced me of the vital truth and of the truth of God's Word. But that's not the convincing I'm talking about. The convincing work of the Holy Spirit is in chapter 16, verse 7 through 11. Look at what 7 through 11 Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Look at verse 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Read on. Look at verse 9. Of sin because they believe not. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. You see, uh, this, uh, this Holy Spirit uh, may not live internally in the lost people in this world, in the people that reject Christ in this world, but they are definitely influenced, convinced by the Spirit of God. That's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. It would convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. These scriptures are a message within themselves. Listen, I don't want to delve too deep. One of these days, I'm going to pick that text apart and preach it till the house falls down. I, I, I want to get knee deep in it, but I can't do that today. But I do want to let you know that, that first of all, he will reprove of sin. What did he say? Because they believe not me. Now, you know me. Oftentimes, when we give the invitation and we talk to people about knowing the Lord Jesus as their Savior, I'll mention this. Have you ever told a lie? Well, then you're a liar. All liars have their part in the lake of fire. Have you committed adultery with lust in your heart? No adulterer shall inherit the kingdom of God. And I'll go down the law. These do's and don'ts, lying, stealing, covetousness, disobedient to parents, all these laws. But see, that's the fruit of the sin. You got to point to the outside and tell somebody there's a problem. If I had a strange disease, and I didn't have no mirrors around me. And that strange disease started making blemishes on my face. And I couldn't see it myself. First of all, you'd make sure that I saw the blemishes, right? You'd make sure I knew what was going on on the outside before you told me about the disease on the inside. Well, see, that's a lot like preaching about, uh, uh, preaching to this lost world. You gotta show them the outward parts. You gotta show them the sin that's on the outside so you can convince them of a problem on the inside. The reason people go to hell 
It's not because they've lied, although God will judge lying. It's because they believe not Jesus. They've not put their trust in Him. They don't believe He is who He said He was. You see, and this uh, Holy Spirit of God, see, I knew if I got on it, I'd go on. The Holy Spirit of God is to convince them that He is who He said He was. Uh, no, also, not only sin, but righteousness. Righteousness, because you, I go to my Father. That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of Christ, what is it? Wages of sin is death. Gift of God is eternal life. Jesus got up out of the grave. Therefore, He was of righteous. He was perfect. God raised Him from the dead. And now He's seated in the heavenlies. So, so we see also not of sin, righteousness, but judgment to come. Look, because the prince of this world is judged. The Calvary's cross. Sin, uh, Satan met his match. The, 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 uh, the prince of this world was devastated on the cross. He was judged there. And in the end, he'll finally receive his just reward, his just desserts. And so will everyone that is antagonistic toward the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, a corresponding activity, a convincing activity, and then a clarifying activity. Holy Spirit's just not a loafer. He's just not a, Somebody taking advantage of your heart. He's doing something. He's active, working in your life. Notice lastly, I want you to realize the attendance of the Comforter. He's with us. He's there forever. If you know the Lord, He's with you. The response, I want you to respond to the activity of the Comforter. Oh, so many times we don't ask the Holy Spirit to help us. So many times uh, a God can illuminate passages if we just stop and ask Him, God, help me. God, speak to me. Show me, Holy Spirit, what your word has to say in the convincing activity. But also, we I want you to rely on the assistance of the Comforter. You see, there is more to this otherworldly teacher than just an eternal presence. He's there sitting on the couch in your life. He's just with you. There's more to it than that. There's more to this Holy Spirit as a, other than a cold, busy, active person. You ever seen a busy bee or somebody that's just working themselves into a frenzy? Holy, there's more to the Holy Spirit than just a worker and just being present. There is also the assistance of the Comforter. The assistance. Notice in this assistance, a parallel assistance. Look at chapter 14. Turn back to verse 26. Look at verse 26, what it said in chapter 14. But the Comforter, Comforter, we've read it several times this morning. When Jesus is referring to this, this divine presence of God, the spiritual presence in our lives, He keeps calling them a Comforter. A Comforter. What is He talking about? That word Comforter there means paraclete, not parakeet. Don't go out of here and say that a parakeet's with you because they will think you're nuts. Amen. But a paraclete, paraclete, para is a, a, a Greek word where we get the word parallel. You know, two parallel lines. I know it's been a long time since geometry. Two lines that are parallel, they go in the same direction. Uh, they go side by side. That's where we get parallel. Well, this is a paraclete. The word paraclete means to come alongside to help. To come alongside to lend assistance. It's synonymous with the meaning of a, 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 of a counselor, a helper, an intercessor, an advocate, 
a strengthener, a standby. You see, that's what we have in our lives. He's not just busy, busy, busy. He's just not sitting on the couch, but he's assisting us. He's helping us. You ever had a teacher that was not helpful? Oh, man. I've had a bunch of them. To where they just, here's the syllabus, here's the chapters, you read the book, test will be Thursday. He just coldly reads down some things. He's not looking to help you, he just wants a paycheck, amen. But a real teacher is one that'll help. One that will come alongside, oh, I love Wild Bill Emmett. My math teacher in high school, Wild Bill Emmett, was a little bit crazy, but when he saw you scratch your head, he was up out of that desk right beside you saying, all right, let me show you how this happens. Let me show you how this works. You see, the paraclete or this comforter, this counselor is one that comes alongside and helps us. I think about what one author said. He said he's our comforter to whom we can go to for guidance. He is the spirit of truth and wisdom. He is our unfailing helper. He is the one who is always alongside to grant strength and grace. He is our intercessor who teaches us to pray according to the will of God. He is our advocate, the one who pleads our case with groanings that cannot be uttered. He is our paraclete that strengthens and establishes our heart in the faith as as a standby. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He is our helper. He is our aid. He is the one that walks alongside to comfort and strengthen our hearts. Oh, I've neglected him so often. I've looked for strength and comfort and encouragement in so many places except Jesus himself inside of me. I've looked to so many different places for strength and enablement instead of looking to the one that's walking right beside me. The Holy Spirit of God. A parallel assistance. But not only that, a parental assistance. Look at chapter 14, verse 18. Notice what he said here. We read it earlier, but I want to point out a word in here. Verse 18 in chapter 14. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Comfortless. Comfortless. That, that word comfortless in the, in, the, in the Greek is a word called Orphanos. The only reason I don't pronounce Greek words for you any other time is because I can't pronounce them. But orphanos, that's not too hard. Orphanos. It's a word that means obviously where we get the word orphan. An orphan. Jesus said, I'll not leave you orphanless. I'll not leave you without a parental presence. He said, no, I'll come to you. The truth that Jesus has not left us like orphans in this sinful world. The heavenly paraclete is that heavenly parent that comes to assist us in this world as a parent. The word in chapter number 16 that says uh, the comforter that he may abide with you. The word abide means to take up residence. So you think about taking up residence. Think way back to when you were a child. And you lived at home with your parents. And that parent was always there. They lived with you. They directed you. Oh, that parent, when you come, I know Carrie, when, when Grayson just comes screaming off of his gourd and crying, there's something about that, that parental role that knows what's going on, that knows the hurt and pain, that soothes that pain and longing. He'll not leave us orphanless. 
He'll not leave us as orphans in this world, comfortless. No, He said, I'll come to you. I'll be a parent to you. What, what has God said in God's Word? He said, I'll be, I'll be a father to them and they'll be my people. Aren't we adopted? Isn't that one of the, the truths of salvation? That we're adopted into the family of God, brought in from the outside to the inside. No longer orphans. He's our parent. Parents, what do parents do? They chastise. They scold. They warn. They teach. They supply. Isn't that the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Supplies and teaches. He reminds us, warns us, leads us and guides us in this walk of life. A parallel assistance, a parental assistance, and finally, a powerful assistance. Now for this, we're going to have to turn to the next book. Go to Acts chapter number 1. You can't. You can't teach on the Holy Spirit without talking about the powerful assistance that He gives us. You see, not only does He encourage us and keep us and, and all of these aspects like a parent with us, but also He is empowering. Acts chapter 1, look at verse 4 through 5. This is after Lord Jesus had died, was resurrected, about to send, ascend to heaven. Verse 4 said, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. Uh, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Look at verse 8. Jesus said, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be what? Ye shall have great name, make a great name for yourself. Make a worldwide ministry where you can make millions of dollars. Uh, where it will give you the ability to write all kinds of books and all kinds of literature. No. What is this power for? That ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Yes, the Holy Spirit is coming in our lives to comfort, to guide, to teach, to enable, but also to enable us to reach to a lost and dying world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, upon the departing of the Lord Jesus, uh, uh, the, uh, the immense task of the Great Commission was placed at the feet of the church of God. How can we reach the world for Christ? How can we reach the billions and billions of people on the face of this earth today? The Spirit has come. <laughs> the Comforter has come to enable us at the task of reaching the lost and dying world around us. The Spirit of God is our enabler. He's the power for us to be witnesses for Him. There's been many a doorstep where I've stood scared out of my wits talking to a complete stranger that looks strange himself. I don't know what he's going to do next. Don't know what I'm going to do next. I've been through my little outline. I'm down to where I'm just talking to the fella. I'm scared to death. Oh, but in those times, praying that, oh God, you'd help me. Help me talk to this man. Help me talk to this lady. Help me deal with this child, this brother, this sister. Oh God, help me. And that enabling Spirit of God, out of nowhere, will bring this Scripture. 
and that scripture and this thing to say and that word of comfort and that right word and that right scripture in the time of need. Oh, what a power we have in the Holy Spirit. Are you unable and having, having difficulty living your Christian life? You got no business trying to live it unto yourself. It's the empowerment of the Spirit of God that enables us to follow the Lord. Oh, listen. He is here. The Comforter has come. The sweet dove of God has been sent down by our risen and alive Savior. He's here today. He's alive. He isn't among us. We need to embrace Him. You need an introduction to the Holy Spirit in your life. I dare you to walk up to Him. Come to Him and say, Holy Spirit, I want to meet You. Holy Spirit, I want to get to know You. Holy Spirit, I'm going to start leaning on You a little bit more. Holy Spirit, I'm going to start laying hold of Your help. Oh, listen, you talk about some hard-headed people. We'll do it, won't we? We'll live our lives under our own strength, under our own ability, until we're lived to a frazzle. And never trust in the sweet presence of God, the very presence of Jesus. As Jesus walked the dusty trails of life with His disciples, so the Spirit of God has promised to walk with us. You didn't know Jesus was with you, did you? Yes. He is. He's promised in His Word the very presence of God in our lives. The sweet comforter. The comforter has come. Praise God. Why don't, maybe, maybe it's been a long time since you've looked to that for strength. I'll be honest with you. You get so far in the Word of God and the things of God and preaching God's Word and oftentimes uh, you begin to neglect that presence. You, you stop recognizing that presence. You write a sentence in your sermon and you say, boy, that'll get them. Boy, that, that, that'll help somebody. Boy, that'll do the trick. And you neglect the Spirit of God that actually does the work. Who's actually the one talking the hearts. Who's actually the one convincing of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Have you neglected the Jesus living inside of you, the Holy Spirit? Let's all stand and Tony as we come with a song of invitation. When the Comforter has come, oh, He's here. If you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, He's living in you today. He's alongside you. Why don't you make use of Him? Why don't you turn to Him for help and assistance? Quit trying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Turn to the Spirit of God for the help that you need. What song are we singing there, Brother Tim? 337, pass me not. Listen, I don't want to get passed up when it comes <laughs> to the sweet Spirit of God. I don't, want him, I don't want Him to go neglected in my heart. I don't want Him shuffled off to another room. I want Him present, active, called upon, depended on, leaned on every day of my life. What about you today? Are you here lost in the Holy Spirit? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. Has there ever been a time when you can say, Brother Ronnie, there's been a time in my life where I was invaded by the Spirit of God. There's, there's, Jesus lives in my heart. I've put my trust in Him. I have received Him as my Savior. I've turned from living life of sin and self. Now I've turned to Jesus. I'm following Jesus. He's my all in all. If there's never been a time in your life like that, the activity of the Holy Spirit right now is a convincing activity.
He's convincing you of your sin. Oh, that lying that you've done, that stealing, that committing adultery by lust in your heart, that murder by hatred in your heart, that disobedience to parents, of that, to, of that putting something else first in your life beside God. He's convincing you of your sin. He's showing you the spots on the outside. But the real problem is your belief in Jesus Christ and submitting to His Lordship and submitting to Jesus as your Savior. Why don't you come today and put your trust in the Lord Jesus while the Spirit is calling, while the Spirit woos and draws you to Himself? Why don't you come to Him today? Uh, Genesis chapter number 6 says, my, God said, My Spirit will not always strive with man. He's not always going to wrestle with you. He's not always going to deal with your heart. Oh, today is the day of salvation. Yield to the convincing of the Holy Spirit. Repent, turn from sin, and come to Jesus and trust His cross to pay your sin debt. You come to Him today. Christian, are you in need of divine comfort? Are you in need of His divine presence in your life? His divine instruction and guidance? Lean on that Spirit of God. Speak to Him. Trust Him. I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand